What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Bucks, and we've got some news today. Serge is a bucker in Milwaukee for the 2022-2023 season. So we'll talk about Serge Barker. Why did he sign here? What does it mean? The roster continues to fill up. And now that we've had a weekend to think about the signing of Joe Ingles, we've seen the other free agency signings across the league. Uh, how did the Bucks do compared to some of their other competitors in the East? And then Frank has a Kevin Durant trade that he's drawn up for the Bucks. So we'll get to that after that. Let's get started. <laughs> Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Monday to Friday, and also find some other stuff over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Uh, of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day or first watch of every day. And there was some uh, vibrant conversation about the Joe Ingles signing over the weekend on YouTube. So uh, if you haven't joined us on YouTube yet, make sure you do that. Hit subscribe. You can jump in the comments there. Uh, and uh, we have a bit of fun. We have a bit of fun over there, that's for sure. Uh, Frank, so do you want to start with the Serge Ibaka uh, signing, which maybe yeah, was a little surprising. We weren't sure what was going to happen with that sort of backup big spot, so it makes some sense. So we can either start with Serge Ibaka, or we can go straight to your Kevin Durant to Milwaukee trade. What do you want to do? <laughs> First off, for everyone listening slash watching, I, I do not have a Kevin Durant oh. trade, uh, and, and Kane is just... He's Steve Von Horning me to those of us that have listened to me on podcasts for a very long time. Steve Von Horn used to love to spring hypotheticals on me without warning me. Um, so Frank, we don't have a podcast. That. We don't have a podcast if we don't entertain a Kevin Durant and Milwaukee trade. It's what every <laughs> well, team's doing. SEO value is high, so you can get those clicks on YouTube. Well, I will. I will say this. I mean. I do not foresee the Bucks being uh, having the assets, or you okay. know, especially the the future picks, to okay. make a compelling argument to the the Brooklyn Nets for a Kevin Durant trade. But, Ooh. I mean, if you told me that for whatever reason the um, Nets were willing to take Chris Middleton, maybe some salary filler, and um, you know what the the Bucks twenty twenty nine first round pick. Um, Obviously, we are big Chris Middleton supporters, but like, I, I guess you'd have to take that, right? Like, if KD actually wanted to come here, like, you can't turn down. Even Kevin's three years old and, and Chris, but I mean, you would immediately be the favorites to win the champ. I mean, you might be the favorites to win the championship now, arguably, but you would be. You know, there, there are few guys that you could trade for um, in that scenario and have the Bucks like demonstrably move up the odds of, 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 of winning another championship. KD is, is in that very, very small group. So, so yes, as much as I generally kind of find any Chris Middleton trade idea to be tiring and kind of pointless because him and Drew and, um, and Brooke in particular, also, I just feel like they, they just are always going to be more valuable to the bucks because of the way they fit and the history and all that and the age range than be to be traded. But if you threw me that very 
unlikely slash impossible hypothetical, I would say, I, I guess, yeah, I guess, Katie, come on down, strap on and uh, ride Giannis to uh, to a third to a third championship. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, you didn't think I was actually going to throw out a KD trade, but there you go, Kane. Do you have any reaction? No, I, I like it. And by the way, everyone knows that uh, this is the first time. I mean, I've defended it and you know carried on a lot about Chris Milton and the ridiculousness of the way he's treated by certain sections of Bucks fandom. But I would agree, Kevin Durant fits the bill. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, 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 you know, who knows where he ends up if they end up. You know, forcing a trade. I think you said it last week, Frank. Hopefully, it's to the West. That would be nice if he gets out of the Eastern Conference, so we don't have to see that man in the postseason again. Uh, but I think send it's him gonna... to Phoenix. Give him what he wants. Just yes, yeah, so send I... him outside to Phoenix and worry about it later. I agree, and I think yeah, it's going to be one hell of a package. So I'm uh, curious to see uh, what happens there. But we've really had nothing from the free agency standpoint, and yeah, most of the big names went on the first day, so it makes sense. It obviously settles down a little bit and we spoke about John Horse got his work done early and I assume he was at a July 4th barbecue today and then maybe he had a couple of brewskis and said you know what screw it let's bring Serge back make the call and so now Serge Parker has reportedly signed a one-year deal uh, with the Bucks. Uh, we discussed the backup big position and I think last year they probably went into the season uh, without any type of insurance on the roster at that position, they tried Boogie Cousins. Uh, they tried Greg Monroe. Uh, and then they Mamu, up, a lot of Mamu. <laughs> Mamu was playing. And then they ended up settling or making this trade for Serge Ibaka, which I think we all agreed in the end. Yeah, the trade probably didn't work out, but it was insurance at the time. Uh, now they bring him back. I, I was a little shocked just because I, I thought in my own mind that Serge Ibaka would think that he's still got enough in the tank to play you know, perhaps a more regular or, or major role than what he'll get on this Bucks team. But uh, having said that, good guy. Still a solid option if you need him on particular nights. Guys are taking a rest, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm not upset about it, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the job description for backup center, right? I mean, it's the same as it was the last couple of years. Um, it's that in an ideal world, you're not going to play in the playoffs, right? Um, right. Which is part of kind of why we weren't sure exactly like, you know, who can you pitch on this job um, and, and actually get them. Uh, we saw Rolo sign with the Cavs for the minimum uh, <laughs> a couple days back. Uh, and with Serge, it's like, you know, does, should he have had better options than coming back to the Bucks for, you know, a, a backup role that again, in the playoffs, probably gets squeezed out entirely uh, unless, you know, there's, there's some injuries that you would not hope for. Um, I don't know. Right. I mean, it's not like he was playing a ton in LA. I think he was averaging about 15 minutes coming back from the back injury, average 18 minutes in Milwaukee. And it's kind of funny. His numbers were actually pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah. Shot, I think he shot 35% from three or so 52% from the field. Um, you know, I thought offensively like his feel, um, kind of mid-range hook shots in addition to the threes was actually pretty good. And, you know, obviously that's part of one of the main parts of the job description, the, the primary part of the job description offensively. If you're a big man in the Bucks uh, lineup, you know, can you can you shoot threes and hit them at a decent clip to space the floor? Um, but again, I think we both thought, you know, defensively just, just didn't seem like he had quite um, 
the legs and, and the athleticism left over in the tank. And obviously he's not, you know, like a Rolo or a Brook who's just a mountain of a human being. And, and, you know, you can just put up his arms and kind of wall you off. Um, had his moments for sure, but certainly not a guy that I looked at and felt like, okay, well, if Brook misses time in the postseason, you know, like, well, I'll just plug surge in there and you, you can hopefully still, you know, kind of batten down the hatches and figure something out. Definitely did not get that feeling right. And, and of course the Bucks defense in general was, it was not just a, you know, a Serge Ibaka question mark in the regular season. They, they had a drop off and obviously um, we will hope that a big part of that was the fact that you didn't have Brooke Lopez for most of the regular season. I think that's one of the most interesting subplots going into this regular season is how much hopefully does the Bucks defense bounce back after last season. But part of me also just sort of worries like, you know, this team just how they just going to be kind of bored with the regular season again. Right. right? And, uh, you know, do they end up four seed or something? Because, eh, you know, they just kind of can't quite uh, get themselves to, you know, really go at, at top gear uh, during the regular season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like a regular season, you know, kind of back of the rotation guy, backup big man guy that, Again, I mean, he, he DNP'd in a number of games, right? In the 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 games against Brooklyn and uh, Philly late in the season, right? They had those two big games, kind of those those huge statement games from Giannis. You know, Serge played a total of three minutes in those games, right? So, um, I would have to think that's a preview of of this season as well, in terms of, you know, they'll probably be in the you know the random Tuesday night against Orlando games. He'll probably play, you know, 15 minutes or something like that. I think one of the obvious other questions is. You know, how much do they have to manage Brooke Lopez's minutes? And, you know, are they, do they kind of reel back Brooke's time further this year, just trying to kind of manage um, his back and just, you know, his general health throughout the season? I certainly wouldn't have a problem with that. I think we've seen in the postseason as well. I mean, you know, like the Brooklyn series, he had to play a ton of minutes um, and he was really important. Other series, he may not be more than, you know, a 15 to 20 minute guy. Um, that's not to say that you're going to then put Serge Ibaka in, in, ahead of Brooke Lopez in those series, but you may have to just play smaller. And obviously that, that, you know, brings a guy like Serge's minutes obviously down to zero regardless. So, um, so I, you know, in the context of what it was, right. I think, you know, the last few days, like some of the names that I've been thinking about, you know, was it Rolo, was it Bismack Biombo, Serge, um, Gorgie Jang, right. Who's had actually pretty good numbers, but it's like, you know, Where's Gorgie Jang's defense these days at the age of 32? I'm not going to claim like I have some some killer insight here, guys, right? Like his 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 numbers have continued to actually be surprisingly good. Um, but you know, obviously the Bucks ultimately settle for kind of the known quantity. And um my hope, um, again, who cares if it's ownership's money? They could have offered him more than the minimum. Doesn't impact the rest of their flexibility since you know anybody else they point other than Jordan Wara would be capped out at or topped out at the, at the minimum, they could have offered him more, but um, we were talking before the, uh, the podcast, it's, it's kind of a funny situation with when you get any, in, into kind of so high above the tax and you look at these 10 year veterans. Um, so if you sign surge for a one year minimum contract, the cap hit is 1.8 million, which is the equivalent of a two year of service player, right? You'll see, on our on my cap sheet, right? You'll see Wes at 1.836 million. My guess is if searches at the minimum, then you'll also see him at that number. But actually, they get paid more than that. They get paid 2.9 million 
and the league subsidizes basically the difference. And essentially the idea here is that they don't want teams not signing more veteran players because they're trying to basically be cheap and, and sign younger players. So essentially all these one-year contracts that players sign for the minimum outside of second round picks that you draft, which we saw a couple of years ago with Sam Merrill and Jordan Wara, if you get if you draft guys in the second round and sign them for minimums, they count at the actual first year minimum, which this year is one million. Um, so it's a little bit of a hack there. But in general, you can't just fill your roster up with you know rookies and first year guys and pay them less from cap from a cap perspective um, than uh, than these you know ten year or, or more veterans guys, right? So um, so if Serge were to be paid more than the veteran minimum, or if he got two years, which we know he didn't get two years. But if you if you pay pay a guy for more than one year or you pay more than the minimum, then the league subsidy goes away. And that's pretty imp very important from a cap perspective, because if the Bucks were to pay him like two point nine plus one dollar, right, like basically a dollar over his minimum as in this hypothetical, um, you're talking about one point one million in incremental cap hit, which immediately has this huge multiplier when you talk about the tax. So did they have to pay surge more than the minimum to get him to not go someplace else um thereby racking up you know an incremental five six seven potentially more million depending on how much above the minimum they paid him i, I kind of have a hard time believing they would do that, that they would value him that much anything's possible they they did pay javon carter more than the minimum and again he was a two-year contract so even if he had been for the minimum it wouldn't be subsidized but since he's still a relatively young player, that's not nearly as big of a difference as for a tenure guy. It'd be like, you know, 150 grand or something like that. So, um, so anyway, I mean, this again, we're getting like really deep into the minutia of the cap and stuff like that, but just again, on the margins, you know, this is your 14th guaranteed contract, presumably. And, you know, again, if you trade these guys in season, then, you know, they're not going to be counted at the end of the year towards the tax. But um, I'm sure that, you know, ownership looking at the the dollars that are at stake here. Now, right now, the Bucks are I think about sixty million in, ta in tax likely. That's assuming you're you're waiving Vildoza and Ray John Tucker, and you're not bringing back Jordan War or anybody else ultimately for a fifteenth roster spot. Um, that's a ton of money, right? <laughs> and just adding those, just keeping those three guys, I think bumps the Bucks projected tax like to like over 80 million. And again, you can't keep all those guys. So you don't have enough roster spots. You only have one more to get to 15, but, um, but either way, obviously they like kind of what Serge is going to do enough. Maybe you, you know, slide him some designer scarves under the table. So he's willing to take the minimum deal, save, save yourself some scratch on the back end. But obviously he was a known quantity in the locker room. And I assume that they would have had an understanding with him um, as far as playing time goes. Cause as we said, it's obviously going to be, a very you know limited role for him this season uh, maybe he cooks uh for the team as well i i don't know how i came across <laughs> this but uh we know he has this youtube show i guess where he, he cooks and i i don't really know how i came across this but he, he did an episode i guess it was during his time with bucks because it must have been it was around april he did an episode with uh liz cambage uh, the uh, australian basketballer who finds herself in the news quite regularly and uh they did an episode together so yeah i mean he's a, he's a great cook perhaps uh that's why uh they wanted him around so who knows anyway serge i think like i said i'm not uh, disappointed with him coming back i want to ask you about what else we saw in free agency across the weekend and does it change your opinion on what bucks have done with joe ingles in particular but first we've got to talk about arcade one up because uh, you are running out of time to enter to get 
the NBA Jam Shack Edition uh, arcade one up is the leader in home retro arcade games. And it's not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger and better than ever with a Shack Edition machine. Uh, it's one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. Uh, there's no fouls, no free throws, no quarters required at this uh, home edition. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. You can pre order now. Uh, from Arcade One Up, that's arcade the number one up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Uh, there's other classic games on there, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, among others, starting at 399 bucks. So check it out. Uh, and you know, there's there's a better way to get one of these and not pay for it, and that's by entering the competition. Literally, all you have to do is go to the website. The pop up comes up. You chuck your email on it. You enter. You've only got till July 8. Uh, so make sure you do it at arcade1up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th, so don't miss out on the NBA Jam Shack Edition. So I mentioned things got a little quiet on the free agency front, and it was interesting because when we podcasted uh, a few hours after free agency sort of got uh, got started, most of the main names were gone and we gave our immediate reactions to obviously all the guys coming back, which was great. Uh, but most interestingly, Joe Ingles who came and I, I must admit, I'm a little bit shocked uh, just from Twitter and certainly our YouTube comments on the podcast. It does feel like it's 75% optimistic or positive. Now, maybe people are just being nice to me because they think I'll be offended, which by the way, which by the way, I also... Uh, appreciate that's great uh but i am a little bit surprised but i think as we saw some of the names and when we were recording gary harris was one of the guys we mentioned uh, he went for significantly more money than the bucks had to spend there was no way they, they were going to be able to get to that number to be able to afford him uh, after that gary payton the second went which you know is so funny to think that gary payton the second could be a player that bucks fans would want on the roster but we've seen what he's done uh, with Golden State, he went for about nine million a year to Portland, so that's outside of what the Bucks were able to to pay as well. So essentially, the story was that a lot of the guys that we discussed uh, went for more, and maybe that made the Joe Ingles deal a little more uh, palatable. Even though we, I think we've admitted, I mean, it's obviously a big risk. Uh, he said, Joe Ingles, that is, said on the weekend that. He's hoping to be back around the mid, middle of December. Rehab's going uh, really well. He's feeling very comfortable, very confident. I would say the Bucks would probably be a little more uh, slow with the return to the floor. That would seem like that would be the make the most sense. But how did you work through this? Or where are you at right now with the weekend past and uh, a lot of the major names and potential targets gone? How do you think the Bucks have done? And has anything changed from the last time we podcasted? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think first off, you know, a lot of the reaction to the the um, the Bucks offseason kind of depends a little bit on how much you take for granted the re-signing of all the existing guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and boring. yeah, it's boring, right? Um, and you know, it's been interesting kind of seeing, you know, hearing a lot of like reaction podcasts and just sort of seeing how how the perceptions are. Right? I mean, I think there's there's kind of two um, two camps, right? There's sort of the Hey, the Bucks did a great job, you know, bringing back all the key guys that they needed to. You know, I think some people, 
know some people I haven't really batted an eye at, at the Portis number. Um, cause I guess in the grand scheme of the universe, you know, $12 million in, in this day and age isn't, isn't a ton. Right. Um, and, and then obviously getting, you know, Wes Matthews for a minimum, getting Javon Carter for almost a minimum, obviously not, not a, a huge amount of financial commitment. And, you know, to the extent that you're obviously still thinking of Pat Connaughton in the context of the Bucks offseason, getting Pat to opt in, obviously from a value perspective is, is hugely important. Um, and, and from a playing perspective, right? I mean, I, I think we all assumed Pat was coming back. So it was just a matter of, you know, how it, what that was going to look like, right? And we think we still expect him to sign a probably pretty lucrative extension uh, later in August, September when he's extension eligible. So it's not like, you know, he's just doing them a favor just to save the owner's money. Um, he'll get taken care of. But uh, certainly, you know, to the extent that obviously you look at this team and say, well, this is a team that arguably if they're healthy, could have slash should have won a championship anyway, you know, you don't have to make a panic trade or totally upset the roster. That said, I think we obviously also saw reasons in that second round series, Chris Middleton, you know, it's Chris Middleton's injury or otherwise um, reasons for feeling like, Hey, there's still needs. This is not the perfect roster, right? This is not uh, again, the KD and Steph warriors where they're just going to be prohibitive favorites or something like that. Um, and so I, I think, you know, looking at the guys that have signed since that, uh, since since kind of that first day when when Joe Ingles signed, um, you know, as you kind of alluded to going through the list of guys that I had on my list, right? Gary Harris, sounds like he's two years, but the second year is non-guaranteed, 13 million a year. Um, Otto Porter ends up getting right basically around the taxpayer mid-level from Toronto on a one plus one. Uh, at least that sounds like what the number is. That said, they could have offered more, um, and his wife's from Toronto, so not not entirely clear, right? Like, you know, if the Bucks had just offered the full taxpayer mid-level on one plus one, like, would that have been competitive? Like, I, I don't know, right? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Um, you know, Nicola Batum got eleven million a year for two years. Oladipo what a resurgence! Yeah, seriously, Oladipo got eleven million dollars for one year. Um, Patty Mills got two years, fourteen million. Kind of basically, kind of went right back um, to the well with with Brooklyn opting out. Um, Derek Jones Jr. ended up getting two years, I think around 7 million total. Daniel House, two years, $8 million total. So those are a couple of guys that they could have signed. And then Thad Young I had on the list as well. He ends up getting two years, 16 million. I think partial non-guarantees to go back to Toronto, which honestly, that kind of surprised me mm -hmm. that he got as much as he did. I you know, didn't think he looked all that good in the Philly series. And obviously he's also in his mid entering his mid thirties. Um, probably the one guy, the, the biggest name kind of that's been relevant to the bucks that hasn't signed is TJ Warren. I think it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of where TJ Warren ends up. He'll be 29 this year and basically hasn't played since the bubble. Right. I mean, <laughs> just the injuries that he suffered foot in, I think primarily foot injuries. Um, obviously, you know, that's impacting his market value. Um, and so very possible again, maybe some team throws him more than that. Like, closer to the full mid-level. I don't know, but a, a lot of the dollars obviously have dried up in the market. So maybe he ends up getting stuck taking taxpayer mid-level or, or less, right? That's, that's very positive as well. Um, so I think the other guy, the one other guy that kind of stands out to me as, as having signed for the taxpayer mid-level or under um, was Bruce Brown. Um, I think offensive fit wise, Bruce Brown, 
you know, he takes two-year taxpayer mid-level from uh, the, the Nuggets. Really good fit there, I think, right? Cutting and, you know, he can do some spotting up, but obviously not really a three-point shooter. But I think he'll fit really nicely around a guy like Jokic and just the defense. They needed to obviously add wing defenders. Uh, but for that reason as well, I think the wing defense um, that he brings and the versatility defensively, you know, if you ask me, like, would I rather have, you know, two years of Bruce Brown, I think he's 26 years old um, for the tax for mid-level or, you know, maybe hopefully uh, a few months and a, and a long playoff run of Joe Ingles at, at his age. I would have to bet on Bruce Brown just because, again, the age factor, and the fact that I know he's going to be, you know, knock on wood, playing an entire regular season. And then you obviously hope you get him the year after um, since he, you know, he's going to be under contract for two years with, with Denver. So he was probably the guy that most jumped out at me. Cause I mean, I just think back to that Brooklyn series, like when he defended Chris Middleton, I was like, Oh crap, we got to put a, put a screen on him or something. Cause I just thought he did a really great job, you know, disrupting Chris at times in that series. I think he plays a lot bigger than he is really weird offensive guy, obviously, because a lot of his value is this sort of like miniature role man uh, that he played really well that role with uh, with James Harden, but shot the ball shockingly well from three point range, especially from the corners this past season, which, uh, you know, was the the biggest knock and the biggest question for him. Um, So he's a guy that I think, you know, I would have looked at and said, hey, I know that guy's going to be able to defend if you have to play the Celtics or something like that. Um, And I think that that's really probably the the debate as you think about Joe Ingles versus a Bruce Brown or, you know, a TJ Warren for that matter as well. Right. Like you know, TJ Warren, he's not like out there to be a, def- <laughs> to be a defender. He's pretty much out there to get TJ Warren shots. Right. Um, I've always kind of thought of him as a guy that probably wasn't very fun to play with because <laughs> he's pretty much just chucking when he's out there. Um, but thinking about in the context of, you know, using that Celtic series as, as a lens through which to judge this. And again, you can't just only think about how, um, you know, guys are going to fare in a, in a Boston Celtics rematch, but, you know, we'll talk a little bit about sort of the off seasons of the various teams. I think, you know, the Celtics adding Malcolm Brogdon for basically, you know, some filler salary and, and a future first. I, I mean, I think that's obviously a, a really good addition from a talent perspective. We'll see, chemistry wise, um, how kind of all that fits together. But, um, but I think, you know, against a team like the Celtics, you need, you know, versatile defense defenders. And obviously if you're looking at the way the Bucks played without Chris Middleton, it'd be like, Hey, can we get a little more playmaking, a little more shooting? Right. Um, and I think if you look at what the Bucks did with Joe Ingles, clearly they were trying to address that shooting and playmaking question, because if, Joe Ingles can come back and, you know, look like something close to what he was pre-injury and worth pointing out. I mean, he was not as good in his, those, you know, first half of last season as he was the previous year. You talked about the amount of games that he had played, playing the Olympics, all that, like, was he just kind of out of juice a little bit? You know, that's hopefully that was kind of part of the explanation, but, um, but I think the question, partly what you're coming into when you only have the taxpayer mid-level is, are you addressing offense or defense? Right. And, Bruce Brown, I think as much as he can do some things offensively would be much more of a defensive guy that you're adding uh, versus a Joe Ingles or a TJ Warren, two very different, <laughs> two very different types of players offensively, um, but both bringing major injury concerns and um, but both guys that I think can, can help juice an offense Joe with his shooting and playmaking uh, TJ Warren with the fact that he can just create shots and get buckets and, uh, 
you know, I think it, it would seem that the Bucks looked at kind of what happened at the end of the playoffs and probably said, hey, we want to get more offense and we'll figure out a way to defensively figure it out with Joe Ingles. Because I think that's the other piece, right, is just how much can he defend? You know, you hope his his brain helps him be a team defender um, and overcome maybe some of his, his physical limitations um, defensively and sort of ISO and sort of those types of situations. Um, but yeah, so I, again, I think maybe a couple of other guys you could look at and say, Hey, those guys would have made more sense. But I think for the most part, it really comes down to, you know, it's, it's hard to find guys at that price level who are bringing you, you know, good offense and good defense. And so, you know, I think really a lot of the question is just, what are you choosing and which way are you prioritizing? Yeah. And I think if you do look at some of the price tags on some of the players, let's just go with Batum who got 11 million. I also think um, we, we already said that I don't, it wasn't the best start to the season from Joe last year. Uh, but I have to believe if he didn't tear his ACL, went through, yeah, he, he probably gets a, at least a one year deal or a one plus one, potentially more than that money anyway. So I, I do think when you talk about guys that when you're not getting the perfect player, for 6.5 million let's be honest so i i they yeah there's got to be a little bit of hope there uh there's there's no assurity that he's going to come back and be that guy but i think he is a relatively well-rounded player if he can come back uh, healthy so we'll see i want to ask whether you think there's any now that they've signed abaka whether there is any other spots on this roster just looking through twitter clearly Backup point guard is a spot that many Bucks fans are still very curious about. So I want to ask you about that after I talk about Bilt Bar and specifically the coconut brownie chunk puff. Now, uh, I, I, I thought, that, by the way, I thought I thought you were going to give us a Bilt Bar read after uh, bringing up Serge Ibaka's cooking show. Um, oh, so wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you some live some live uh, notes here. Can uh, I don't know if there's a way to work that in at this point, but uh, back to our good friends at Bilt Bar. Oh, well, that's right. And uh, Serge Barker, I said he is a great cook, I think. But uh, the one thing that he, he is not capable of doing, and that's producing uh, the goodness of a coconut brownie <laughs> chunk puff. Uh, there's no doubt about that. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds, Frank. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Bill Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Bill Bar have given coconut brownie chunk the puff treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk Bill Bar flavor you love is deliciously chewy, it's a marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate, and it's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling, Frank, and listen. They're good for you as well. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, uh, and of course, delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only uh, here for a limited time, so don't mess around. Go to built.com. Make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good. And it's good for you. Just go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. It's promo code LOCK15. That's built.com. How many times do you think uh, Dennis Schroeder has been uh, mentioned on this uh, podcast over the years, Frank? uh, I actually referenced... Dante Exum last week. I made my Dante Exum sales pitch. Uh, no, oh, wait. You, I, I was waiting for you to invoke yeah. me as a human shield when you brought up Dante Exum because wasn't I the person that like was asking you like, hey, 
why didn't we bring up Dante Exum? Shouldn't Dante Exum be part of our conversation? Because I've always been a bit of a Dante Exum fan, and hmm. you know he had some really played really well in Barcelona, as as you outlined. Um, I'm I'm totally in the Dante Exum hive, uh, but obviously at this point, um, not sure how how reasonable that is. Not sure what his his kind of salary demands would be, but um, I mean, as long as we're adding sort of you know Australians with injury concerns, like let's let's have them all. Dante Exum, come on down. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised with Serge Ibaka. I thought they could have signed Andrew Bogut as the uh, backup big as well. And uh, by the way, he's looking very fit, I, I must say. I saw him recently. He's looking very slim. He's looking slimmer than he did when he played, so shout out to him. But uh, it, even if I had blamed it on you and said you were the one to bring up Dante Exum, I can assure you that anytime I bring up a, an Australian, I, I get accusations that... So some of the Joe Ingles stuff, there was a few comments, which I appreciate, by the way, because if people have listened to the show for long enough, they know that I do have to exaggerate. Like it's, a, it's a bit. If I'm talking about an Australian, I have to act like my life depends on these guys playing for the Bucks. Like It's just like natural. So I got accused of, oh, he sucks, but you're Australian. Uh, well, yeah, partly true. Uh, <laughs> so they wouldn't believe me anyway. So Dante Exum is someone I threw up there. I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I thought he was decent. I, I know uh, we had some people... Uh, that follow the EuroLeague cl- clearly closer than I do. And apparently he didn't play major minutes towards the back end of the championship series there or the final four that Barcelona made. But I think for the most part, reliability has been the big concern. So if he's healthy, I would expect he'd, he'd get a shot. Uh, but Dennis Schroeder is one that uh, I think he had something like 37, 10 and 8 for the German national team uh, in the World Cup qualifiers over the weekend. So he's been going crazy. You expect he's going to be in the NBA somewhere. Uh, the Derek Rose, you, uh, speaking of guys we've discussed on the pod before, the Derek Rose annual trade rumor came up last week. Uh, what do you see? Uh, do you think, because this is a question I asked in the DM the other day. I said, if you're the Bucks, do you feel like you need to rush into a George Hill, Grayson Allen classic package that we've discussed to upgrade point guard spot? Or do you, do you say, okay, well, we've only got a, a limited number of assets. By the way, maybe Joe Ingles, if it doesn't work out, is another salary slot that, becomes a, a trade package. So do you wait and see how things play out? Because as much as people want George Hill off this team, Frank, look, he's fine in the regular season. Like it's going to be fine between him and Javon Carter. This team is going to be very, very good. I don't know whether there's a, there should be a, a rush for a trade. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing when I look at trade potential trade targets right now, now let me just rattle off some of the guys just for people we were, we were kind of talking about it in the DMs, right? Like guys that are, are still out there. Um, and and these are mostly wings. So I haven't thought as much about like guards. I think it's interesting looking at Utah after the big Minnesota Gobert trade. Um, you know, they have Pat Bev and Jordan Clarkson both making 13, 14 million bucks a year. Very different type of players, <laughs> obviously. Um, I, you know, it's like, depending on what you want out of your, you know, kind of a a guard target, right? Like, you know, if you offer Grayson Allen and George Hill, do you have to add a second round pick to get either of those guys? I don't know, right? I mean, Utah is in that weird spot where they haven't fully committed the rebuild since they (laughs) sell Donovan Mitchell. So they're still, I think, trying to act like they're not tearing it down, but Certainly Let's be that. honest, once they lost Joe Ingles, that franchise was in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it's like Pat Bev's 33, Jordan Clarkson's 30. You know, um, 
I still think again, Grayson at nine million a year, given especially given his shooting. I mean, I think he's he's a very good regular season asset. And this is the problem with role players is just their value series to series can just go all over the place. And again, obviously, I don't think there's any excuse for he just looked scared to shoot uh, and and struggled in that Boston series mightily. Obviously, they targeted him with the with the size that that the Celtics had on defense as well. So, you know, again, really wiped out pretty much all the goodwill that he had from the Chicago series when he was, you know, incredible. Um, and, you know, I think as far as George Hill goes, I mean, to me, the big question is, you know, I, I have to think part of the issue for George was a, again, he was another guy who, if he's defending point guards, you know, isn't as a size advantage given his size, but against a team like the Celtics, it's like, well, he's, getting switched on to Jason Tatum. It's like, yeah, he's, he's not stopping Jason Tatum very much. And he just looked kind of completely out of his element offensively. And was some of that or a good chunk of that because of kind of the neck and abdomen injuries that he was coming back from, you know, are those issues going to get better going into next season? Right. You can look at it either way. You can say, Oh, well, he was, you know, hurt. He should be better next year. Or you could say, this dude's, you know, this dude's not getting better. Like, you know, this is, this is potentially the cliff for him. And so as much as he was a solid guy that was, you know, an awesome plus minus guy during the regular season, the Bucks just always seemed to play well with him on the floor. And I think some of that was certainly three point luck was part of the re- reason for that. But, um, you know, like, I don't think you can look back at the regular season and, you know, if, if the team was good with the guy on the floor, like, you know, what's the argument for him having hurt you in the past in the regular season, right? Um, but I think prospectively looking forward, I, I do kind of wonder, you know, what do the Bucks know about his injuries and what the next year of his career is going to look like from just a health standpoint? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it. The Grayson and George contracts are the obvious kind of, you know, salary pieces that you could throw into a contract. You don't have obviously the first round pick from this year that you can throw in, you can't trade next year's pick at this point. Um, so you're pretty much just working with second round picks to try to, you know, if you're trying to get a better player. Um, so we'll see, but I mean, you know, again, some of the other names, you know, guys that are more kind of, you know, wings, guards, you know, guards slash small forwards, Alec Burks was already traded once. <laughs> He's got basically one year and 10 million left. You know, is he uh, more of an, an ISO scoring capable uh, guy than, than Grayson Allen, but again, not like he's some great defender. Not um, excited. <laughs> not excited. Kelly Oubre, more probably of a three, you know, I call him the handsome wing chucker. Uh, well, Dean Maniad is because very excited because he Dean... is by far the hottest player in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, Dean thinks Kelly's handsome. Uh, so that's, is that worth something? Uh, Kelly Oubre doesn't really seem like the, I'm not saying Kelly Oubre is a bad guy, but I don't think Kelly Oubre is like a great locker room guy. That's not his reputation. Um, I think Justin Holiday was part of one of the trades we just saw with Sacramento. Um, but again, is Justin Holiday available, not available? $6 million, 33 years old. We know the Bucks love, you know, nepotism and guys who share last names with players in the current roster. <laughs> um, and then, you know, kind of other guys, um, I mean, Utah is just so interesting. Right? Malik Beasley's owed, I think, 13, or and I think he's at um, owed 32 million over the next two years, but one of those is a team option. 
um, super high volume three point shooter. Again, I, I don't know enough about Beasley's defense at this point to tell you, sit here and tell you that he's demonstrably better and won't have some of the same issues that, that Grayson Allen did in the playoffs. Um, and obviously Clarkson as well, right? I mean, these guys that kind of is a fill it up type guy, but um, I think there was always uh, up until two years ago, we had the six man of the year year. He was really, really good. I think legitimately, um, but his history certainly is of more of a kind of empty calorie scorer guy um, who's not a great defender. So again, I'm sure people would be excited to have him rather than George Hill, but you know, are you giving up, you know, depth at, at the shooting guard spot and Grayson Allen as well. Again, I'm sure a lot of fans look at his scoring numbers and say, sure, roll the dice, but um, I don't, I just don't think it's as quite as, you know, clear cut as, as people, people might like to think it is. So, um, so I, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things that I, I feel like one of those guys probably does get traded. Um, but by the same token, especially with, as you mentioned, some of the additions, right. Adding Joe Ingles on his number, um, does give you a little more flexibility where see where Serge's number is. You do have a little more flexibility to maybe make a trade, you know, after December 15th, once you can trade guys that were signed this, this off season, uh, heading into that trade deadline. Although, you know, the, the weird part is, I mean, let's say, let's say Joe comes back in mid January to me, that's probably like a reasonable, but still optimistic timeline. Even if he's talking about mid December, you know, then you've got like a few weeks basically to sort of see where he's at before the trade deadline. And, you know, again, a guy's coming back from an ACL at, you know, 34, 35 years old, you're probably not going to be awesome <laughs> right away, right? Like you're probably going to need those last, you know, two, three months of the regular season to just sort of get, get your rhythm back, get your timing back. And maybe you don't, right? Maybe it would normally come the following season, which a lot of times happens with ACLs, but at his age, you know, um, how much can you bank on, right? He's on a one-year contract. So, um, so I think again, they'd have flexibility to go into the regular season, see kind of how all these pieces fit again. I mean, essentially this is the exact same roster, except you've added uh, Marjan Beauchamp and Joe Ingles, who isn't even going to play for two months of the season. Right. So it's basically going to be last year's team plus Marjan Beauchamp at this point is what it looks like. So it's pretty known, you know, it's pretty known quantity, right? I, this may, team may set a record for like least turnover from year to year in terms of like minutes played. I'm actually really curious. I think Kevin Pelton does analysis around that. Um, but uh, I, I, we know John Horst is never afraid to make moves. So far, it's been run it back. I have to, I, I would be very surprised if both Grayson Allen and George Hill were on this team after the next trade deadline. Um, but we'll see, like, do they have a move this summer? I would, I would lean. Yes. I think at least one of those guys probably gets moved for, for something else. Um, but you know, even if you were to trade George Hill for something, uh, you know, it's not like that frees up money beyond minimums, right? You still just have minimums to sign. So again, if, as an example, if you wanted to get Dante Exum and he was willing to take the minimum, it's, it doesn't, it's not dependent on George Hill, right? You have a roster spot technically to do that now anyway. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting situation uh, in that it's been a very, um, I don't want to say boring off season, but it's been a very predictable one so far. And I think now the question is just do the Bucks have something maybe a little less predictable, um, you know, up their sleeves. And for that, I, you know, again, I think they'll do something. Um, but I, I don't know if it's going to be the, you know, quite as big of a splash as maybe people 
people are hoping for. All right. Check out the Locked On NBA podcast for reaction and analysis around uh, the rest of the NBA. I'm sure they're talking plenty about Kevin Durant. So after we went uh, all the way in on potential Kevin Durant trades at the start of this podcast, uh, you can hear what other teams uh, are throwing up there and uh, see what's going on around the rest of the NBA. And by the way, Summer League this week, uh, post-game pods will be back. <laughs> We're, uh, the uh, Bucks are looking for the Summer League Marjon Bow Championship. Uh, typically, <laughs> typically pretty awful in summer league. The Bucks, let's be honest. So uh, we'll see what they can do. I don't know if they've officially released the rosters, but we've had little little bits and pieces, you know, drop in here with the roster. But certainly, Bochamp will be the uh, the guy that we're all looking forward to watching the most. And he's been tweeting away the last few days, very inspirational on Twitter, uh, Marjan. So uh, give him a follow. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Uh, and let's uh, wrap it up. Go on. I was please. I was going to say. Maybe we, but and it's famous last words to say we can hit this quickly. Um, I look at probably my the two teams again having a West an Eastern Conference focus, two East teams that I think have had probably the most notable summers. Um, and again, largely this is as relevant to the Bucks. We'll see what happens with Durant. Obviously, that can shake everything up. But um, I thought Philly and Boston have had really good starts to the offseason. Honestly, I don't care as much about the Gallinari trade because I think at least if you or sorry, uh, taxpayer deal for for the Celtics, just because I think he's, you know, if you anytime the Celtics put a guy out there that's not really good defensively, I feel like, oh, OK, that's at least something to attack, even if Gallo obviously is a good offensive player. Um, but I think adding Brogdon, our old friend, Malcolm Brogdon, and we'll see kind of how the personalities mix with that. But, you know, just to kind of add him for very little, um, certainly feel like Boston on paper looks even tougher than they were last year. And I think Philly also just adding Melton again, maybe he just sort of replaces Danny green or, you know, you can look at um, Daniel house replacing Danny green, however you want to do it, but you know, adding Melton house and then PJ just feels like that's a, you know, a better, more well-rounded, especially defensively team ahead of the playoffs. And I guess we'll see, right. As long as you think James Harden is going to be, Jimbo instead of James Harden, then maybe it doesn't it doesn't matter. But um, I think those two teams had have had very good summers so far, and um, certainly if you're the Bucks, you still have to feel really good about where you are if you're if everybody's healthy. But um, I don't know any other teams kind of jump out at you, or how have you felt about those two teams? Well, I think Philadelphia is trying to rocket to a championship, <laughs> you could say, with. Uh... Very familiar look. Eric Gordon. They, they still want Eric Gordon, even though I don't really know how they uh, easily make the trade work. But it's yeah. a very familiar look to that team. Uh, Boston. Uh, you know, I'm interested in because uh, you know the, what we what we have understood over the last well, really since he was with Milwaukee is the idea of Malcolm Brogdon is better than than the reality when he's when he's never playing towards the back half of the season and he's had every injury under the sun. So we'll see whether he can stay healthy and then. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. He wanted to go to Indiana. He wanted to play point guard. He wanted to have the ball in his hands. I don't know how much of the ball is going to be in his hands when you've got Smart and Tatum and Brown and all these guys. So it's an interesting fit. Uh, but given what they traded, it was a, obviously a no-brainer, I think, if, you, if you're the Celtics. So it was a pretty pretty good move. And then, yeah, we're just waiting to see what happens. I, I prefer to just stick to the East. Obviously, that's more relevant to, to the Bucs. So we're just waiting to see Brooklyn uh, and also Miami. And... Brooklyn, really, I know that they're going to be angling for a big package of draft picks. Uh, but 
if they wanted to go down the path of you know a trade with with Phoenix and I don't know how much interest there is there with Aiton. I know they've just given some money to to Claxton, but you know, there is a, a world where they do a Kevin Durant trade, Ben Simmons plays, and they're still a very competitive team. Now probably they don't have the fear factor of Kevin Durant, but I would say Brooklyn's still in a decent spot to come out of this pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, I mean a raft of draft picks and I mean the Phoenix option, right? Like if if they figure out a way to get Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson, for instance. I mean, that's that's a good young team, right? Throw throw a theoretically healthy Ben Simmons in there. Um, I think that team could could be well. Let's just say certainly a, a lot more interesting than and less soul sucking than, than the big three version <laughs> that they had these past past few years. Um, and yeah, is that a you know a, a top six team in the East? Well, maybe not, right? But it feels like that's a at least a you know, seven through 10 playing, which it seems like from what Joe Sy, the, the principal owner said, um, I think they'd be fine with and given they don't really control their picks for the next, you know, 30 years. Uh, they don't have obviously a whole lot of incentive to tank. So, um, so we'll see, hopefully. Uh, yeah. I mean, as a selfish bucks fan, ship Katie to Phoenix ship Kyrie to LA uh, let's take let's take the, the the nets off the board as a title contender from the east and uh you know maybe obviously boston is still going to be there with the bucks and i think philly will will be there uh, for sure as as you know a favorite for a top three four seed as well um so so we'll see but you know again like july you just can't i think what we've learned you know having watched these summers for years and years and years you just can't overreact to what happens in July because injuries happen, bad chemistry happens, the NBA season is very long, and you know stuff kind of just happens. And this is where I think again, you just have to be thankful that a team like the Bucks, the, the boring Bucks, right? Just they mm-hmm. kind of keep chugging along, and as long as they're healthy, um, they're gonna have a really good chance, kind of when all when all is said and done, and and you get to the playoffs. So, um, so anyway, we'll see if there's any more curveballs this week, but. Um, I'm guessing we probably won't have a whole lot other than some actual basketball, even if it is sort of fake Vegas summer league basketball, but it is basketball nonetheless, which will be a nice change of pace. Standard rule is summer league. If your rookie plays well, it means everything. If they play poorly, it's just summer league. So that's the way we will approach this with Marjon Bojan. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. We've got Camille tomorrow in the pod. Justin's rolling through as well. Then we... uh, we really do look ahead to Summer League. I believe it starts on the 7th uh, over there in the U.S. So only a couple of days away until the games are going. Utah Summer League's on now. It doesn't involve the Bucks, but basketball's back. It actually kind of never really stops. But anyway, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Camille, Frank, and myself. Speak to you guys then.